Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show, where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve, and following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. If you want to improve your communication so that you have less conflicts and more love, download my app today, Keep the Glow, KTG, wherever you get your apps. And be sure to follow me on social, at Dr. Wyatt Fisher. So today I'm going to talk about five reasons why marriage compatibility does not matter. Marriage compatibility is a big topic. Everyone wants to learn how compatible are we? Maybe we're just not compatible. Maybe we should just go separate ways because obviously we're not compatible. There's a lot of discussion around compatibility. And so while yes, it's true, the more you have in common with your partner, the better, because it is going to help you get along better. On average, marriage compatibility does not matter. And I'm gonna go through five reasons today why that's true. Number one is even if you think you are compatible in the beginning, the longer you're together, you're gonna find what you don't have in common. That's point number one. You'll find what you don't have in common in the duration of your relationship. This is normal. When you're first getting together, all you can see is what you do have in common. Oh, you like Fruity Pebbles? So do I. Oh, you like to take a nap in the afternoon? So do I. You find all these inconsequential similarities and you think, we have so much in common. This is destiny. But after you're together for a while, the natural drift is all I notice is what we don't have in common, where we don't feel compatible. So therefore, don't get so caught up on how compatible you are because inevitably, the longer you're together, the more your mind is going to naturally focus on what you do not have in common. Number two, how you deal with incompatibility is the most important part. It's not important how compatible you are. What's important is how you deal with incompatibility. So how do you deal with it? How do we all deal with it? Most of the time, we get frustrated. Most of the time, we judge our partner. Most of the time, we're disrespectful about those differences. Most of the time, we hyper-focus on the differences and how incompatible we are, and that's the problem. So instead, we need to learn how to deal with incompatibility in positive, pro-social, pro-marriage ways. That's the key. The key is not how compatible you are with your partner. It's how you deal with incompatibility. That's what's going to make or break your relationship. And that leads to point number three. Number three is you have to learn to respect and accept differences with your partner. Have you done that? Have you accepted how they're different than you? Have you accepted how their wiring is different than your wiring? Have you accepted that your partner is a different human being than you? They've been through different things. They've seen different things. They have different genetics than you. There's a whole bunch of reasons why they are a different person than you. They see the world different than you. They operate differently, and that's not going to change. And the sooner you can accept that, the better. Because it's so easy to try to change our partner, to want to make them into many versions of who we are. And we think, if only they're more sociable. If only they're more organized. If only they were more fill-in-the-blank. Life would be so much better. And then off we go trying to chisel them into many versions of ourselves. But by doing that, you send the signal, I want you other than you are. It's not going to work. You're not going to change your partner, just like they're not going to change you. You have a certain temperament with certain 
personality traits with certain preferences that are hard baked in you that are not going to change. Same with your partner. So the sooner you can just accept and respect the differences, the better, because that's going to shift your perspective. Now the goal is not convincing your partner that your way is the right way. The goal is not trying to talk your partner out of their preference. The goal is no longer trying to tell your partner how their approach is not effective because those strategies are not effective. Now the goal is how can we work with these differences? How can we learn to interact respectfully with these differences? How can we learn to cooperate together with how we don't see eye to eye? That becomes the new goal. Number four is compromise. Compromise is the key. So you don't want to try to change your partner, just like you don't want them to change you. You want to accept these areas of difference. But now the goal becomes, how can we compromise? If you want something one way, I want something another way, the goal becomes how to respect those differences, but then how can we meet in the middle? How can we strike a compromise? How can we get a little bit of what I want here and a little bit of what you want? Because problems happen in marriage when one partner tries to dominate and take over and have their preferences rule. And that's when you have marriage problems is one partner trying to have their way in the relationship. It might be their way sexually. It might be their way emotionally. It might be their way with how cluttered or organized the house is. It might be their way with how to parent the kids. It might be their way with how to manage the money. Problems happen in relationships when one partner tries to have things their way because they think their way is the best way. And that way is going to cause problems. That's not accepting the differences with your partner. That's trying to make them into you. That's trying to judge them and convince them that your way is the better way. That's not going to work. So the goal here is compromise. You have to learn the art of compromise. And you know you're compromising well when neither of you are getting exactly what you want with anything in your marriage. That's a compromise when you're meeting in the middle, when both partners giving up a little of what they want so that they can meet in the middle. That's a compromise. And that leads, leads me to number five. Number five is you're stronger together than apart. These differences you have with your partner is a positive. It's a good thing, even though it can create headache, it can create frustration, it can drive you crazy. That's inevitable. But try to find the silver lining here. These differences actually can make you stronger as a couple compared to if you were not together because these differences often can complement one another. So for my wife and I, we have a lot of major differences. And in the beginning, like most couples, I didn't see the differences. All I saw was how we were alike, how we were similar, how we were soulmates. We were so compatible. But the longer we were together, guess what? I noticed all the ways we were not alike, all the ways we were different. And those differences created a lot of headache, a lot of frustration, a lot of tension. But often that was coming from both of us not respecting those differences and instead trying to change each other into ourselves. We get stuck in that and that does not work. So when I started just accepting my wife for how she was wired, things started getting better. When she started just accepting how I was wired, things started getting, getting better. And especially they started getting better when we started compromising and just respecting that's how she is, that's how she sees this issue, this is how I see this issue, how can we meet in the middle? So here's some examples from my marriage. One example is I'm the extrovert. 
I tend to talk a lot more. I tend to be more verbal. My wife is the introvert. She needs a lot more downtime, a lot more quiet time to recharge her batteries. That's a big difference for us. Another difference is I tend to be a neat freak. I love everything organized and nothing on the floor. I like I like everything in its place, a place for everything and everything in its place. My wife is more comfortable with disorganization. She's okay if there's piles. She's okay if there's clutter. So that's been a big tension area for us. But we've learned how to meet in the middle. So it's not just my way where I want things organized at all times. And it's not just her way where things are cluttered at all times. We've had to learn through the years. We've been married since 1999. We've had to learn through the years. How do we meet in the middle? Where it's not just my wife's way around the house, but it's also not just my way. So there's been a lot of give and take to try to strike a middle ground. And sometimes that's a moving target. You have to continually negotiate. You have to continually strike those compromises and things change. Then you have to renegotiate again to make sure you both have a voice and to make sure you're compromising. Another huge difference that we have is how we parent. We have four kids. And my tendency is to be much more justice oriented by setting limits, having natural consequences. My wife's tendency is to be more of a softy, to give benefit of the doubt, to not have consequences, to not follow up and set limits. That's my wife's natural tendency. It is what it is. I'm not going to change her. She's not going to change me. But what we've had to work on is how do we meet in the middle? Because we've gotten into problems when her way rules and I'm feeling voiceless or my way rules and she's feeling voiceless. And that never works when you're parenting because then the kids know they can divide and conquer. You need to be a unified front. So one of our biggest growth areas as parents has been we have to go behind closed doors I have to share what I think should happen and why. She has to share what she thinks should happen and why. Then we need to compromise so that some of her values are honored and some of my values are honored. And when we're doing that and then we lock in on the approach, then we present as a unified front to our kids. And that's the best for our kids because only then am I going to back up that new guideline. Only then is my wife going to back up that new guideline because we both have bought in to the approach. That creates a unified front and we feel more like a team and it's best for the kids because now they're getting an ideal blend of both love and limits. And in that way, that's how my wife and I are complementing each other. I bring limits. She brings that love together. We give our kids love and limits and then that's optimal for our children. And so that's the way to think about these differences with your partner. Think about these areas of incompatibility with how they actually can complement one another and how actually together you're stronger than you would be apart. So those are five reasons why marriage compatibility don't matter. Number one, you're going to find what you don't have in common anyway over the long run. Number two, how you deal with incompatibility matters way more than how compatible you are. Number three, you have to learn to respect and accept those differences. Number four, Learning to compromise on the differences is the real key. And number five, you are stronger together than apart. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Wyatt Show. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share it with one other person today to pay it forward. And be sure to sign up for my free masterclass on four steps to transform your marriage. The link is in the description. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. If you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.